0: Visit TryFacetWealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T-Wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice.
1: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, a podcast brought to you by The Dip. What a jam packed show we have for you today. Of course, we're going to get into our pop three talk, all about the selling sunset drama. We're going to deep dive into the Kardashians versus Black China because the testimonies coming out of that case are just wild. And we have Demi Burnett from Bachelor Nation joining the podcast today. So let's just jump right into it. Obviously, made it back from Phoenix. I went on that hike, crushed it. Okay, I'm sporty spice all of a sudden. I love the great outdoors. Have you seen that movie Holes? Yes, we've all seen the movie Holes. We're like early 2000s kids, right? I climbed up that mountain in Phoenix, Arizona. I didn't have to carry anybody though, so it was totally fine. The Bachelorette party was fun. I was the first one to sleep every single night by like two hours. You know, everybody else was up doing their thing. I was like, nah, I gotta hit the hay. Growing up is a blast, let me tell you. Before we get into the pop three, we do have some honorable mentions this week. First time we're doing that, but wow. Megan Fox admitting that she and MGK do drink each other's blood for ritual purposes. I'm good on them. You know, like that's all that I need to know. I don't need that darkness in my life. It's all love and light. So right now I'm good on MGK and Megan Fox. Another honorable mention. I know you guys, everyone has been talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I'm taking it all in. I want to formulate an opinion after I've heard everything. I believe that she is supposed to testify. I just don't know when. So I've kind of been keeping my opinion on it to myself for now, just because I want all the information, but I will say it doesn't look great for Amber, you know, after this trial. So, TBD, we'll see what she has to say when she testifies. But The Pop 3, you guys selling sunset. I binged Selling Sunset on the flight home from Phoenix, and I'm only on episode 6, which is why the Selling Sunset drama is not the deep dive this week, but we can definitely do it next week, especially if more stuff with Christine comes out because it is. It's coming up. I get off the plane and I see that Christine is not at the reunion. And this is like I mean, I just binge watched six episodes straight, three hours worth of Selling Sunset. I open my phone and I see Christine Quinn, not going to be at the Selling Sunset reunion due to a positive COVID-19, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. She had COVID. Amanda had it too. She decided to Zoom into the reunion Christine did not. So that was on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, she had COVID. You know, it is what it is. It happens. It still happens. And, you know, people do get sick from it. I was double vaxxed and it still knocked me the heck out. I could not lift my head for like five days when I had COVID over Christmas. So that was on Sunday. And then on Tuesday, we get photos of Christine out and about, tooting and booting with Real Housewives of New Jersey star Melissa Gorga. TMZ attained the photo of Christine Quinn on her phone while crew members stand around her to prepare for a shot. So they're filming something. What are they filming? I have absolutely no idea. Was she faking COVID? How do you fake that in like a professional setting? Surely production is the one administering the test. Like I remember listening to an episode of Sheena's podcast on Vanderpump Rules and I believe it was her and Ariana were talking about when they got COVID. And the reason they knew is because the production company is the one who administered the test. And if you didn't have COVID, then you could go and film. So I'm like, surely that works the same way, right? They're not having the cast of Selling Sunset just go pick up a a test at Walgreens, are they? I had no idea. I wanted to give Christine the benefit of the doubt because look, Lover hater. She's ninety five percent of the storyline, and I know some people are like, "I hate that. I hate the toxicity." Look, like it's not great, you know. But this is a reality TV show. I'm not watching like women crochet blankets together to sing kubaya around the fireplace. I'm watching Selling Sunset. So I don't know. I think if she's faking something like COVID to get out of filming a reunion after me giving her the benefit of the doubt over and over and over again, like that leaves a bad taste because you have to show up. Did she not want to address the $5,000 issue or whatever? Like I said, I have not got to that episode yet, but I know what happens because it's all over the internet. And if she bribed someone $5,000 to not work with Emma, don't these people work with like millionaires? I mean, every home on the show is like millions of dollars. I don't know. I mean, surely that's what they're talking about, right? I don't know. haven't watched it but if you're buying a million dollar house, you're not swayed by $5,000. Hate to break it to you. I have my own opinions on selling Sunset and why I think it's super fake. I mean, super fake. Maybe I'll get into that someday. Maybe next week on the deep dive, but I can't reveal all my secrets. I got to keep you guys coming back for more. Let's move on to headline number two. That Vanderpump Rules spinoff that we were talking about, Vanderpump Valley. Well, we weren't right, but we also weren't wrong. Okay. Vanderpump Valley. We talked about it maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. We heard Andy say it to Lala on Watch What Happens Live. And we're like, <gasps> it's been off. Like literally grabbed the brown paper bag because I'm hyperventilating. Stassi admitted that Vanderpump Valley was in the works. Not currently, but a long time ago. So she talks about this in her book. And I heard it because she went on the morning toast as her return to like podcast interviews. Maybe I'll try to get her on the pod. One of the hosts asked her, what's the juiciest part of the book? And she says, well, You know, we were in the process of transitioning from Vanderpump Rules to Vanderpump Valley. It was going to be all the people that lived in the valley. The show was going to start with Stassi and Bo's wedding, and then it was going to transition out. Obviously, that idea got axed once they all got fired. She said they were going to redo Vanderpump Rules, all new Vanderpump Rules with people that actually worked in the restaurant, and then they were going to have Vanderpump Valley be their show. And She said, because you guys remember how Vanderpump Rules started, it was on an episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where Sheena and Kristen and whoever else were like tray passing at one of The parties. So she said that's kind of the idea that they were going to have going into it. So, like I said, it's not happening now. So, we weren't right, but you know, he did say Vanderpump Valley, it was the basis of what we were saying that all of them live in the valley and none of them work at the restaurant anymore. What this proves to me, though, besides the fact that maybe we're not getting a Vanderpump Valley, that the network is at least thinking about things, potential spinoffs for Vanderpump rules. They know that it's not working. Otherwise, why would they, you know, start Vanderpump Rules over again with an all new cast? They get the fact that Vanderpump Rules, as we once knew and loved it, is not a real thing anymore. So I would not be surprised if something else came. I don't know what it's going to be but it's interesting. And now we know that they're at least thinking about it. Let's move on to our third and final headline in this week's pop three, Kim Kardashian set the record straight on all the photoshops. Yes, all of them. So this week there was one about her belly button. She was modeling like for skims or something. She was in front of a pool and she had sweatpants on, but she also had uh, like, I was just going to say Spanx. <laughs> Oh, that's bad skims. That's not good for her business that I call them spanks, but you get it. You know, she had the underwear that sucks you in and people on the internet was like, she doesn't have a belly button. She's like, this is ridiculous. I don't Photoshop my belly button. I'm wearing shapewear. What do you expect? So then she gets on the Pete picture. Remember, we were all talking about how we thought she Photoshopped Pete Davidson, his jawline, his nose, she showed that it was a live photo, you know, like we all have on our iPhones. And she's like, how do you Photoshop a live photo? And it's like, well, you could just take a screenshot, you know, of the photo and Photoshop it. But but she didn't. She showed us the live photo. And that's where we first got a skeet kiss. And it gave me the heebie-jeebies. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like it. I didn't like it one bit. But there it is. So here comes the big one. She then comes clean that she was the one to Photoshop. Baby True Thompson in the Disneyland photos. Pour one out for sweet baby True whose childhood is going to be a lie because Kim Kardashian needed it for her Instagram aesthetic. And yes, that is what she said. It's what we all thought. It was Stormy and Chicago who was at Disneyland together. Kim took the picture of the two of them. Kylie did not want pictures of Stormy online at that time because it was around, she doesn't say this, but because it was around the same time of the Astro World tragedy and Kylie was laying low. Kim didn't say that, but we all know that that was the situation. So she's like, Kylie told me no, but I wasn't going to let that ruin my IG feed. Look, my IG feed, it's pink and blue and Chicago's in pink and it just matched so perfectly. And my Instagram is, you know, meticulously plan to a T and I wasn't going to let Kylie and her stupid feelings ruin my Instagram. So she Photoshopped true onto Stormy. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Do normal people do that? No, they don't. No. That is a quick answer to that question. No, normal people don't do that for an Instagram aesthetic. I mean, man, she is dedicated. Do we owe Chloe an apology? Because we all blamed her. She's always on there photoshopping. And- it's like we almost have no choice but to blame Chloe. And you know, this last week on Keeping Up, she's like, I'm scared to post anything online because it's Photoshop, 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 Photoshop. I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know what to tell you, Kardashians. Everyone's going to be overanalyzing your pictures from now until the day that you don't know how to work Instagram anymore. Sorry, Chloe. Speaking of Kardashians, we're going to get into the deep dive next all about Black China versus Kardashians. The court trial has been insane, the things to come out on the stand. We're going to get into all the details next. Hang on. Oh, we
0: could we could fly. This is your summer. That means six flags and the taste of an ice cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, amazing animal attractions. And this. Coke is summer refreshment, so you can hop on another ride. Like the all-new Sidewinder Safari. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash coke to save up to $20 off passes or daily tickets starting at $39.99.
1: New message. Hey, girlfriend, it's Carol from jury duty. We never actually spoke, but I saw you ordered the same hoagie as me at lunch. What are the chances? Anywho, I heard you just got a boat. We should totally grab some hoagies and take it out for a spin.
0: When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year.
2: Do I want to feel the wind in my hair? Guilty as charged. (laughs) Seriously,
1: let's ride on your boat.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Annual Premium for Basic Liability Policy Not Available in All States.
1: All right, now it is time to get into the deep dive. Every single week on my Instagram at Morgan Pia Talks, I open up the deep dive submissions to you, my lovely listeners, my lovely followers. What is it that you want to know more about this week? Katie has our deep dive. She wants to know more about this Kardashians versus Black China case. Hey Morgan, this is Katie from Dallas, Texas. Let's do a deep dive on this Kardashian court case. There's so much to keep up with, so give us the good stuff. And do you think China has any shot winning? I love the page. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Thank you, Katie. Love you like a sis. So, quick recap. China is suing the Kardashians for a combined total of nearly, are you ready for this? 140 million dollars. Go big or go home. She's really doing it. She's suing them for economic damages and general damages for emotional distress. She's accusing the Kardashians of pulling the plug on Robin China, which was her spin-off show. Hence, you know, robbing her of her bag, taking her coin. So most of the Kardashians at this point have testified. Chris, Kylie, Kim, Chloe, even Corey, of course, China herself. We're condensing this, okay? I'll tell you the most important or shocking things that each of them have said while testifying. China was the first to testify, and she did it more than once. According to TMZ, the first time around, China claimed that she was just joking around when she pointed a gun at Rob Kardashian's head and wrapped an iPhone cord around his neck. She testified that she and Rob were celebrating their show being picked up for a second season in December 2016, by throwing money around and being silly, you're going to hear that day a lot. I believe it was December 16th or 19th or something, um, 2016. They get into a really, really large fight, and it's referenced a lot throughout this trial. She addressed the gun that Rob allegedly kept on the dresser. He claimed that it was unloaded, and he told her there weren't any bullets in the house. Apparently, he was eating, and on FaceTime with his friends, she came up to him and put the gun to his head, and he like freaked out. He's like, what are you doing? She said Rob was very jealous, would often go through her phone. Things got to the point where they had a paternity test taken to assure that Rob was Dream's father. During cross-examination, China said that she got mad and smashed the gingerbread house and the television out of anger. That's that fight where she trashed Kylie's mansion, but her and Rob were living there at the time. She was mad because Rob took her phone. She denied damaging Rob's car saying she didn't throw anything. She also denied ever threatening to kill or slap him. Corey testifies about being present at this fight. So you'll hear all of these details come up again when I get to Corey's testimony. But the next day, Michael Rhodes, which is the Kardashians defense lawyer cross examined her, brought up the restraining order she took out against Rob. It was around the time that Rob posted some nude photos of her. And he asked if it was a publicity stunt. She said, it was the only way I could stop him from posting pictures of me on the internet. She started to cry. She also testified that she wasn't looking for headlines when she went on Good Morning America the day after filing the restraining order. The lawyer, Michael Rhodes, also asked China if she was seeking publicity when she and her former lawyer, Lisa Bloom, held a press conference. She got quiet for like five seconds and then she said yes. She said, I wanted everyone to hear my side of the story. So yes, I did. And then afterwards, she asked for a 10 minute break to compose herself. Now, a couple days later, her legal team filed court documents to ask for another opportunity for China to tell her side of the story, because allegedly, according to them, the nude photos, the revenge porn she was shown on the stand triggered her. You know, those photos that Rob posted, which they say rendered her unable to answer questions. Therefore, she wants her testimony after the nude photos struck from the record. So now we're going to move on to all the testimonies. Chris testified first. She took the stand and claimed that China once threatened to kill Kylie Jenner. At the time, Kylie was dating Tyga, the father of China's son, King. In addition, Tyga told her that China had threatened him several times with a knife. She said it was alarming, but we just kept it in the family. Chris told the jury they did not report the alleged incident to the police. This is a quote. She said they lived across the street and she, China, had a young child. I think we were more concerned about the Taiga situation. Chris also addressed China's relationship with Rob. She said there were a lot of ups and downs in their relationships, but quote, I really wanted China to grow and be the best version of herself. Such a Chris thing to say, is it not? I could just see her saying that. So next up was Kylie. Echoed a lot of Chris's sentiments. She said she was concerned for her brother Rob. She talked about Taiga, her boyfriend at the time, allegedly showing her scars. From where China had attacked him with a knife, Tyga. He also told Kylie that the attack came about because she was abusing drugs and alcohol. Kylie then went to Rob, said, Rob, these are my concerns. But he continued to date her and then ended up having, you know, baby dream. Kylie also implied that China was just dating Rob out of spite, because as we all know, China and Tyga were together. Then Kylie started dating Tyga. Then China started dating Rob. It's not a coincidence. That's just my humble opinion. Kim and Chloe testified on whether or not they were sabotaging Rob and China being filmed. So a lot of Kim and Chloe's cross-examinations had to do with text messages or emails that were sent to producers, production company, et cetera, about China. So Kim wrote a text to Bun and Murray producers that was read on the stand and it said, China will not be on our show. And it's actually putting my brother in a bad position because he ends up crying all day saying the only reason she, China, showed up was because she was filming. She said, I can't control the content of what they film, but this is our show. Why would we film with her? Another text said, that she can have no false hope that she's on our show before asking, is she getting paid? She says, clearly, if I'm asking if China's getting paid, I have no knowledge if she's getting paid on our show. Kim told China's lawyers on the stand, to which the lawyer said, You were informing producers if China was on keeping up that you were not going to film anymore, she said. They can film what they want. We don't have the power, as you have been insinuating. I was just expressing that I will be taking a break from filming to assess how I'm feeling. I will not go into work in a toxic environment. I can only control what I can do, which is to take a break. Chloe echoed Kim's sentiments a lot. Chloe was questioned about an email she wrote to an executive producer, Jeff Old, which read, we are even considering not moving forward with our show if theirs continues. That's how strongly we feel this is damaging to our family. That's a little questionable, in my opinion, from Chloe. But when China's lawyer, Chiani, I believe is how you say that person's name, asked Chloe if she had the right to control China's talent agreement, Chloe replied, we had no control about that. She said, we feel strongly about a lot of things, but it doesn't mean they will listen to us. They already testified that we had no control over that meaning what they filmed. And Chloe was talking about network executives. When asked if she was trying to shut down Robin China, she says, I wasn't trying to cancel anything and added, like I said, she was considering not filming, keeping up because of quote, such volatile behavior between my brother and China. What I was considering was not continuing such toxicity, right? So they're saying, you know, if this is going to continue, we're not even going to film our show because it's so toxic; it's it's ruining our family. That could be potentially interpreted as don't let China film, or we're not, you know, going to film. Which I feel like it's a gray area, truly. So Corey testified next, and this is where we get into a lot of the details about the fight that broke out that night because Corey witnessed it. He said he came into the room when he came into the room at Robin China's house. China was holding a really long rod. Rob was standing about seven feet away. His face was all red. He looked flustered. He said, when he walked into the room, China dropped the rod, picks up an iPhone cord. Here's a quote. She started whipping it at him. She was hitting Rob and I got in the middle and got hit too. I had to try to get her attention on me so Rob could get his belongings and get out of the house. I could smell the alcohol on her. Corey also said the house was a mess, adding there were broken Christmas decorations littered on the floor, along with the infamous broken gingerbread house. According to Corey, Rob tried to leave, but Corey's car was blocking him in. That's when China allegedly picked up a patio chair and hurled it at Rob's car. Okay, so everything that China denied on her first day of testimony, Corey is witnessing in real time. And he's testifying that he was there for this. He says she jumped on the back of him and punched him on the back of his head. She tried to get the small table to throw it at him, but Rob was already in his car. Corey said, I asked her what was going on. And she yelled that she hated him, that she didn't like him. She said, why would I like this fat? I'm going to edit that word. If he wasn't a part of this family, that is a damning testimony, if you ask me. So do I think China has any chance? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but no. The Kardashians, I believe, have already requested that the case be thrown out, I think that China was probably raised in an environment of chaos. I mean even China's mom Tokyo Tony was at the jury selection and she actually got banned from the courtroom for threatening the judge online and you know what I, I just remember China's mom Tokyo Tony said, I was just joking, and it seems like that's what China says too she's like oh I'm just, I was just joking when I pointed the gun at Rob's head and I was just joke like that's not a joke and the testimonies that are coming out, even when China's on the stand, there's nothing, at least in the press, that is beneficial to China, I don't think. Maybe the Chloe email, just because I feel like it can be interpreted one of two ways. But even still, I just do not think that China has a leg to stand on here. I feel bad for Rob. I feel like, man, he really went through some stuff. Oh, and by the way, I saw that, you know, I was giving Rob some some crap on the pod because I'm like, where's Rob? Like his sisters are showing up to this court case, you know, about his baby mom and he's not even there. According to page six, he stayed home with dream. So there you have it. We'll keep you updated on that court case, but that is all the deep dive we have for today. I am very excited to welcome our next guest to Morgan's Pop Talks. You know her. You love her from Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. Demi Burnett is joining the podcast. Hi, Demi. Hi. You look amazing, as always. Thank you. I feel like, Demi, there is so many things that we could talk to you about, but (laughs) what really draws me to you in this moment, because we've seen you on reality TV for years. But you have been so open lately about life taking you in some unexpected directions. Let's start with you, you know, being diagnosed with autism. I asked my followers for a question. I got this one a lot. What made you realize that you were neurodivergent? I was having a
2: lot of interpersonal relationship problems. I noticed the common denominator with me. And I, I went to someone and I was like, I figured out like the problem in the world, like, the problem in the world is that everyone's just misunderstanding each other. Like people are saying one thing, but they don't mean it. And like, they mean something else, but like, they just aren't using the right words. And, I, and my friend was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And I was like, you don't feel like everyone's always just misunderstanding you. And she was like, No. And I was like, Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that. And so I think it all came with a lot of clarity from stopping drinking. I think that I just got like more in tune with my intuition and like just closer and closer to it. So I just honestly, I followed my intuition. And that means like, any thing in my body, like, any thought that I had that I felt like could be a thing. I was like, huh, like, I don't know, that kind of might maybe followed it until I found like, if there was truth to it or not. And Most of, I mean, there's truth to your
1: intuition because it's not magic. It's things you've seen, you've observed. Yeah. What was that process like of thinking like something is different to getting that diagnosis? Like, kind of walk me through what you went through, what that timeline looked like for you.
2: January 1st, I had um, like a, it feels like a spiritual awakening. It feels like a revelation. Like, it's like, a whole thing. It's like a, you know it. Whenever you experience it, it's it's a earth shattering like thing. You realize like something's something's up. Something's different. Like you just know it. You feel it. You read one little like I read like one thing online. Like um, I was searching uh, things about my mental health, and I was searching about some like conflict things or something because I had just gotten into a fight with a friend. This was on December thirty first. And so then like January 1st, January 2nd, like the first week of January, just diving in on research Googling. And you'll read, I read like one thing that's it was something about an autistic trait. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. And then I remembered that eight years ago, and it's like, it sounds nuts, but talk to any autistic woman and we all have this same kind of story, like eerily similar. So eight years ago in college, I was 18 and I went out into the real world for the first time, you know, graduated high school and I came to the same conclusion that I was autistic and the stereotype and the stigma impacts people so much that it causes them to be hateful to the idea of breaking that stereotype and stigma. They can't handle that. The idea of that, that changes everything for them. So a lot of people, I, when I realized it, I told a lot of people and are my close people and every single one of them said, like, no, you're not. You're an idiot. You are rude for thinking that because you're taking away from autistic people. Like all of this. I mean, I got completely shut down so much that I felt like I, I guess to cope, I started drinking. Like I don't, it's kind of blurry around there because it was so painful. Like I just remember it was painful. And so I suppressed it for eight years to where I forgot about it completely, completely. And then with all of the clarity, like I saw something about being autistic, like autism and women. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wait, 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 wait. This happened to me before. I remember, I remember I thought this before and like everyone shut me down. And now there's so many more women out there that are like back eight years ago. I didn't have as many, there's not near as many experiences out there. I was, freaking out about all of these experiences and what it is is it was validation because it was things i already thought and felt and it was like oh i'm the only person like you know i maybe even things i never even put like words to a feeling and like seeing someone say it and be like "Ah!" like i mean you just You know, so it started in January, and I remembered everything. And I was like, well, now I'm in a position of a lot of privilege, a lot of white privilege, a lot of like reality TV privilege, I guess, I can afford to get a psychological evaluation. I'm going to do it just so I could know for my own sake, because there's so much self-doubt that's like written in it because there's so much abuse involved. There's so much emotional, psychological abuse because it's very misunderstood. So it's, I don't, I don't blame anyone. I mean, I do, I blame people who know the information now, who know better now and what they do moving forward. That's where I'm like going to hold people accountable. But even if a lot of women, you can afford it, even if you can afford the test, You have to make sure that you get an evaluator who has done modern research. Like you can't get someone who's who isn't up to date on the modern research of autism because I did two evaluations. And I did one by a man and who did it the traditional way, and one by a woman who did it the like modern research way. Like she had she knows about autism in women. And she diagnosed me with autism. And he diagnosed me with social communication disorder, which is like basically autism. (laughs) And except for there's no rigid or repetition or routine, which I don't have a routine, right? But my rigidity and my routine and repetition that never goes away, never will go away is my demand avoidance that is instilled in me that I have no control over that I don't even realize I do. That's (laughs) very rigid about that. But he doesn't even know about demand avoidance because that's modern research as well. So he diagnosed me with that and a personality disorder because coming out of this autistic trauma, coming out of like, hey, oh my gosh, I just realized my brain works completely differently than the way you all have been forcing me to make it work. You all have been forcing me to live this way. And I just realized that you're all fucked up for it. And like, I'm not even mad at y'all. I
1: just want y'all to respect me moving forward. And y'all can't even do that. I mean, do you feel like it was easier for you to accept it eight years later? Like, are you just in a different place in life? How does it feel, you know, when you have that aha moment, like, oh, I wasn't making this up. This is real. Was it easier for you?
2: Yes, because I'm so independent and so, so much in a different place. Yes, because it's like the opinions of other people since I've had. So I've had all opinions, you know, and I think I got a lot of validation by being a fan favorite that I knew I'm not an idiot. Like, okay, I know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't get validated by like, oh, she's pretty. I get validated by, oh, she saw where someone did this and she's calling it out. Like I get validated when people can recognize, I guess, my intelligence.
1: (laughs) How has receiving, you know, an official diagnosis improved your life, improved your mental health? It helps me understand myself better. So my mental health, I feel like
2: I'm. it's Completely different change. It's way better. I feel like I live in the present, and that is hard to explain. But whenever you know what that means, it feels really good.
1: And do you think being sober also helps you live in the present? What was that decision like? We were like, all right, I'm not drinking anymore.
2: <laughs> not drinking anymore was, I wanted to not drink for a long time. I just couldn't because I mean, I got really sick. You know, my body was dependent on it. So, not deciding to stop was basically i was at a point in my life where i was like i don't really care if i die from withdrawals anyway so like might as well like just stop and then we'll see what happens from here
1: well that makes me sad yeah yeah, that is sad (laughs) i mean i hope that you're not in that place now no 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 once once i got
2: once i found out like i got validation confirmation like you're autistic i was like i'm ready to rock and roll i'm never gonna like well, I said, I'm never going to feel sad again. Now, granted, I have felt sad since then. But it's easier for me to understand how my mind is processing things. Now that I know, like I can relate to other people's experiences. And I know specifically, I have this thing, pathological demand avoidance. That's how my brain's wired. That means no matter what, my ass is gonna argue against someone as much as I don't as much as I'm like, I don't know why. I'm <laughs> It's just because my I feel like you're taking my autonomy if you're winning the argument subconsciously. So I'm like, Oh, my gosh, that's why people don't like me. I've been arguing everything that everyone's ever said. It's wild. It's wild to look back on my behavior and just like know, like see all of this pathological demand avoidance. It's basically I don't like the, that word because it sounds bad pathological. So it's like a pervasive drive for autonomy. And like, I feel safe once I'm in control, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah, it makes me
1: look like a real old bossy bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, in reality TV, you virtually have no control. So it's like, for you, that must have been hell on earth. I think that I felt I had control because of like the
2: gimmicky, like the, oh, like my control was, I know I'm doing my role of like, I know I'm going to get airtime if I do something like uh, that, uh, outlandish, like something a little, you know, bizarre or, or bold or something like, you know. So I know that if I do that, I'm good. So once I would go, I would do that and I'd be like, oh, ah, OK, I can relax now and I can just get drunk. I can just drink <laughs> and party and whatever, because uh, it was the first time too. I think you was on the show. I was just so like on a high because it was the first time in my life that I was getting validated by anyone and like the producers validating me. I got a little bit of validation right before I went on the Bachelor, actually, from my previous job because I got like employee of the month and stuff. So I like I was like on an uphill, like oh wow, like I'm not so bad after all. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, paradise happened, all this stuff happened. I was like, I am bad. What's going on? But, oh, no. but,
1: but I'm not bad.
2: I'm not bad. I'm just an um, argumentative.
1: So you were upset about the whole Brennan and Piper situation, right? But there are a lot of people that compare Brennan and Piper to you and Christian from the previous season. I mean, what would you say to those people like me who kind of drew those comparisons?
2: I would say it's different because
1: of the
2: the factor of Natasha and Derek. So Derek... I never, it was, none of Derek's stuff was fake or planned. Like Derek had nothing to do with it. Like I was really confused. Like at one point a producer asked me like, are you really confused about Derek? And I said, yes. Like I was confused why they asked me. And I think that a lot of it was kind of using my like naiveness and also me like letting them use my naiveness. Like being choosing to be ignorant of like what they were planning on doing. So like I said, Hey, is Christian coming? And they would be like, I don't know. And I'd be like, is she or not? And they would be like, I don't know, Demi. She said she didn't want to. So I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to push it. And I'm just going to like be ignorant to it. But then, so they were asking me like, do you really like Derek? And I was like, yes, I do. I'm confused too. Like, I don't know. I do like this guy but I also do miss Christian. So I wasn't ever talking, like, about Derek like he was talking about Natasha and, like, how that was the aspect. But Brendan, like, whenever we were arguing on the beach, they cut out this part. <laughs> and it was so good. Brendan, he pwned me, man. He pwned me in this argument. It was amazing. And I was, like, so, like, I can't even. I lost, you know? And it was so good. i like, I was, I felt because the producer was like, um, Nothing. Never mind. Um, But they were. I was over there, and I was having Natasha's back, and I was just having my girls back. So like, I wasn't really thinking about any of my behavior, and so I was just like, "Yeah, like you know, tunnel vision. Like Brendan's a bad guy. I'm protecting Natasha." And so I was saying all this stuff, and Brendan was like, "Demi, what are you talking about? You flew your girlfriend out here last year." (laughs)
1: Looking back at last season. I mean, with Brendan and Kenny, did you really like either of those two? Or was it more of like an ego thing where you wanted them to like you? Because I just didn't see you really vibing with either of them. I think that
2: uh, learning about being autistic, (laughs) I've learned something about myself. And it's one of the key characteristics of having pathological demand avoidance Is people focused, people obsessed. So in my mind, I get like people obsessed, like, oh my gosh, I want that person so bad and I want them to like reciprocate wanting me too. And then if I don't get it, it's very confusing to me and I get upset. And I think a lot of people can relate to this and (laughs) I get very upset. But at the end of the day, I don't really, I'm not really going to be good with the relationship because I know that I like the idea of it more than I like actually being in a relationship. In the moment, I doesn't feel that way. In the moment, I can say, "Oh, no, it'll be different this time. It'll be different this time." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm like fantasizing. I'm like, oh, me and Kenny like, wow. That'll be so cute. Like, wow, that'll be so much fun." But in the long run, I would I would be miserable. Like Kenny loves going out and doing things. He's going to loud places. Like I would be so unhappy with that and I would probably take it out on him and stuff. So I think like learning that kind of stuff before I didn't have an answer of why am I not liking this person? Why are we not getting along? Whereas now it's like, oh, we have different interests. They like to do things that I simply can't be around and stuff like that. So it's so many good things come
1: with a diagnosis for me.
2: And also it's really
1: hard to get one, really, really hard to get one, really expensive. I'm sure that it is. Well, you do a great job of at least raising awareness so that people, you know, can go to you you know, if they have questions and they don't have the funds accessible to get a diagnosis, like you said. Yeah. Self-diagnosis.
2: Self-diagnosis is super accepted in the community because we all understand how hard it is, how impossible it is to get a diagnosis. So self-diagnosis is Accept it. If you feel like, if you think you're autistic, you're probably autistic. Like, there's a reason you feel that way. That's that intuition I'm talking about, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, this was another follower question. Speaking of Kenny, do you have any relationship with Mari and Kenny? What's the last thing you guys said to each other?
2: The last thing I said to Mari, I told her that I respected her work. I was like, girl, I see you out here cranking the content. Like, I know that's a lot of work. Like, um, I respect it or something like that. I was just giving a compliment about that because I know that is a lot of work. I mean, you know. And Kenny, we're good. We're on like lighthearted terms. Like uh, the last thing, he he, like replied to one of my stories about left-handedness. And he said, my dad's left-handed. And I was like, why? And he, because my thing was, or someone left-handed admitted that they did it for attention. (laughs) And uh, he said, my dad's left-handed. And I said, so is mine why and he said for attention oh. <laughs> know, that was laughing so it's like it's all very good and I am obsessed with them anyway they are so hot
1: I like mm, they really are <laughs> like, mm, mm. can I come they complement <laughs> each other very well they just look like <laughs> you know a model couple
2: they look I like also- delicious
1: <laughs> are you still close with Hannah Brown
2: um no but we're like fine I don't have any qualms but you know, no, we don't really talk. Like if I, um, oh my gosh, she butt dialed me.
1: <laughs> so that's the last time that you talked to her. That's the
2: last time I talked to her. It was two, like two days ago. I, I was like, well, well, well.
1: And I was like, Anna? And then she wasn't on the phone?
2: Mm-mm, but oh. if I answered, I don't think she even <laughs> knew, you know.
1: Did she say anything about butt dialing you?
2: I don't know. But no, like it's nothing at all. It's just like if she ever needed me, I would be there. Like it's, I'm not focused. Like people, I don't focus on like what people aren't doing. I'm like, I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. We're both like, we're in the same city. So like we're in the same room, but we're playing with our own toys. So I know that she's like, you know, if I really, really needed her, she lives in Santa Monica. I know damn well I could show up in Santa Monica and she'd be there for me.
1: Well, we do know that you're still really good friends with Marissa. You've shared your opinion on her breakup with Riley. I want to know what made you be vocal about their split.
2: Because Riley wouldn't let Marissa talk to me whenever they were together.
1: Why? Because I spoke about
2: concerns I had with him to Marissa.
1: So he kind of made her choose.
2: In my opinion, I think he wanted her
1: to not have an influence
2: over her that could be exposing behavior of his.
1: Yeah, it's it's a touchy subject. And even me as like the interviewer, I don't want to... I don't want to pry because it's it's somebody else's relationship. But, you know, we all read the headlines of like, oh, well, she just didn't like moving to New York. That's
2: not true. None of that is true. None of that is true. I mean, I'm not going to say none of that is true because I don't know exactly what the headlines say. So I'm not I'm making a too general of a statement. But it's not that she didn't want to move to New York. They like she was with him in New York all day long. They were together all day, every day in his apartment. She never had a second away from him. I want to talk about my experience with it. And so I'm not speaking for Marissa is what I want to be clear. That this is all, so only I can be blamed. He blocked. Why did, why did Riley block me on Instagram? Why did Riley block me on TikTok? I didn't even know he made a TikTok and he blocked me. He's blocked me on everything. Why? Because he doesn't want me to comment on his stuff. Why would you be so concerned about someone commenting on your stuff that you would block them immediately whenever you make a social media account or like you block them on everything because he's trying to make me look crazy. And I wasn't even the one that was with him. I barely talked to the guy.
1: Did he block you before or after they broke up?
2: After. He blocked me after I
1: started talking about
2: things. He's he's really, he's really really trying to make me look crazy. And... He's like building up a profile for himself like oh this new lawyer who has this new firm that he made what how can you you can't just make up a law firm you can't just make up a law firm in your in your apartment you can't just do that like what a lawyer who's like covering from domestic abuse to like athletes like what it's all just really sus to me and the fact that he's blocking me is sus and it's like Riley you're doing what a lot of toxic men do and it's like you're 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 putting up a facade that nobody's asking for we're asking for a genuine human being to love and nurture like that's what we want to do we all I want to do is like these men that are putting up these fronts and that are like trying to have control over us and like all these things like cuz they're so scared of like losing us or so like they they're so scared of not having control of their situation it's like hey we would forgive you and love you. I'm not going to cancel you. I'm not going to like do that. Like I'm going to cancel you until you admit it and acknowledge it. Because what you're doing, what, what they do, what men do with that is they are basically telling us that we, they're gaslighting us. They're telling me that's not my, re- that's not the truth of the reality. They're telling me that I am not smart. They're t- like, because whenever I think, you know, whenever you like call these men out for what they're doing and then they gaslight you like what Clayton did a lot of, It's like we should be rewarded for figuring that out. And we are punished and then brainwashed into thinking that never happened and we made all that up. And so what happens to women? We shrink and we shrink and we become so small and unsure of ourselves. And then that's exactly where they like us. And it's happening. It's a systemic issue. It is literally sick. And I'm sick of it. So that's why I want to say something about Riley. Like, yeah, you can try all you want, Riley, to make me look crazy right now and block me and, you know, act like I'm the one. But like, I know who you are and what you're doing. And I still want to love you anyway. But I want you to acknowledge your fault. I think that fear outweighs sense of self sometimes. Someone talking to me can completely make me like, you know, cower down from my stance, just because I'm afraid of them, because they're bigger and louder than me. I like that I can be empowered by speaking out about it, not behind a keyboard, not behind this. Like, I feel like now I've done enough research to where I can prove anything that I'm talking about. And that's kind of what I needed is I needed to make sure that all of my like intuitions, like all of my theories that I had about everything going on is correct like everything and it all is I was correct and now I can just prove it
1: how would you then describe you know him what's his what's his genuine self not
2: about oh I'm not talking I'm not talking about Riley oh okay
1: okay. like
2: (laughs) that's like that's just like I mean he's like that's a generalization of like everything in my life like every every time in like a woman's life I feel like a woman's life we moments of self-doubt I don't know if if it's just like uh, maybe it's autistic women, I don't know, neurodivergent. men. Oh no, all okay, the time. Okay, okay. And all you know, um, I'm just saying, like in those moments where you doubt yourself, you're right. You are right. And every time there's an out, an external factor that convinces you otherwise, and as usually, always a man, <laughs> or or a woman who has been severely affected by a man to where she once self doubted, and someone has. Made her forget it so much and then made her an ally of theirs. Like, you know, super. It's just all so much toxic misogyny.
1: Okay, I just have one more thing with you. And this is how I like to wrap up every interview. It's called the hot seat. Now, these are just fun questions. So don't stress. There's not going to be any tea spilled, but I just want you to answer them with the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Question number one What's the scariest thing you've ever done?
2: The scariest thing for me was. Coming out, like, with a woman on, like, coming out as bisexual, that was really scary. And also coming out autistic and, like, going through that journey because there's a lot of people who are, like, they really think I'm, like, insane.
1: Question number two, in the hot seat, would you ever date someone from Bachelor Nation again?
2: No, I'm so out of their league. <laughs> I, I would, there's, yes. like, there's, like, um probably like the only one would be still the one I said from the beginning was Brooks Forrester. He's still the only one worthy.
1: Okay. Question number three, tell us one thing that drives you nuts.
2: So many things.
1: I demand
2: (laughs) questions. Questions drive me nuts, but I like, I like questions. So I like whenever, like, I like them, but I hate them at the same time. I hate them because it's a demand and I feel anxiety and pressure. But then I'm also like, I really want to answer your question because I really like to inform people. I like to info dump. So it's like, Rah!
1: Okay. Well, last question. And then we're done. Okay. Do you think you can give me one more? I can. What advice would you give your teenage self?
2: Do so, you know what's so funny? like. I never could figure out like why I would fight with my dad so much, like why we wouldn't get along like what the problem was. And I never, ever, ever saw it as me because I just remember like being so like, I felt like I was just so attacked all the time and like I would always black out during it. And I didn't even know what I would say because I was like, I was just so scared. Like, I don't even know what happened. Well, whenever I go into these these fight or flight modes and black out, all I'm doing is arguing back. I'm just like finding, like my brain is finding ways to try to get back control of the argument and like the sense of self. So my teenage self was just in a dark cycle of that and very confused about it and like feeling guilt, but also feeling resentment because it's like going both ways and not knowing what to do with it. I was perpetually irritable. And I was mad at myself for being irritable, too, because I didn't know I had sensory issues. Like, I, you know, I had sensory issues whenever I was younger. I'd be like, say something and it's like, oh, it's not that loud. You're fine. Stop it. I was like (laughs) abused into thinking I didn't have anything, any of these issues. So I was just irritable. So I would tell my teenage self that it's okay. Like, let yourself be a bitch. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Mm, Truly just let yourself because I would just feel so bad about it, you know? And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, your intent, like at the end of the day, like look, big picture. I'm a human being. I'm a meat suit. My meat suits intent is always like my moral code. My, my moral rule is to do the right thing. So when it comes down to it, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm not, if I'm not doing the right thing, but I think I am, if someone points out to me, hey, that's not the right thing. Because of this, I would say, oh, my gosh, redirect, you're right. I would never say, no, you're not. So it's like, you can't fault a human being who wants to do the right thing, no matter what. And I think that all of us want to do the right thing. So we need to give everybody a chance. Like, Everybody, we might get distracted from the path of doing the right thing, but it's probably just like an accident. Like we got confused. We got mixed up. Our meat suit, just our brain meat suit, you know, got, maybe it, you know, got caught up in something, whatever happened. But it's like, instead of being like, I have a problem with this, being angry about the confrontation. If it could just be like, Hey buddy, why don't you come on back here and come back towards the right thing. But and
1: then again, I don't think men can hear it.
2: <laughs> and that and that is why women should be in charge.
1: Yes. We will end on that. Demi, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I know I learned a lot about you. I learned a lot about what you have to go through on a day to day basis. And I learned, you know, that we need more representation when it comes to, you know, the neurodivergent and what you can do to help people. Do you have, I'm sure you do, but do you have like on your Instagram places where people can go if they want to learn more about it?
2: Yes. If you go on my Instagram and you just go to my highlights, I just have some infographics that I've made or I found on the internet and then specifically for PDA, pathological demand avoidance, there's a lot of, there's like the websites because it's not talked about here in the United States much. So I do have websites of the people's websites that are in the UK that I think are really awesome or Australia that are very, very informative and really explain all of my behavior. So if you have, if you feel like you're relating to me and you really want to learn more about pathological demand avoidance, look at the highlight on my Instagram, check out those links.
1: And you just came out with a podcast yourself. Please tell us all about it. I did. So
2: it's called Demi Goddess. I really love it because It's really all I do. I do my podcast and I do my research (laughs) about psychology, but I work really hard on it and my team does and it's really honest. It's really fun. There's a video so you can watch it on YouTube or you can listen to it as well. So Demi Goddess on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcast, YouTube, Eve, Forever
1: Dog, at Demi Goddess on Instagram, TikTok. When does it come out? New episodes every Thursday. Well, then you can listen to mine and then you can go over and listen to Demi's or vice versa, whatever you guys want to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Thursday <laughs> is the best day.
1: It, you get a daily <laughs> dose of us on Thursdays. That's right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks. You know the drill. Go ahead and give us a little five-star rating. My Spotify girlies hit the review goal. Apple pods did not. So get on it. What are you doing? Make sure you also come check us out at the dip.com at the Morgan's pop talks community group. If you want to dig into more selling sunset tea, I'm posting all of my thoughts there. Also right now, if you use the promo code salsa, you get 75% off for the whole entire year. So now is definitely the time to do so. And we will see you guys back here next week. Love you like it says. Bye.